Glory to Jesus Christ, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their history, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is the story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by the iconography of Father Thomas J. Loya. Father Loya's iconography for your prayer and home devotion may be obtained by going to MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com. That's MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com. Then click on the Art and Decorative link and click on Icons in the drop-down or call 630-629-1720. Morningstar Books and Gifts, 28 West St. Charles Street, Lombard, Illinois. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, and once again, I'm here with Katie Goulis. I'd like to say hello to some of you, especially those of you in the Akron, Canton, Cleveland, Youngstown, Pittsburgh area who listen to Living Bread Radio. Had the opportunity to speak to some people there recently and actually to hear Living Bread Radio as I was driving on my way to the pilgrimage in Mount St. Macrina in Uniontown, Pennsylvania. So it was great to hear the program there. Those of you who do listen to Living Bread Radio, if you're in that listening area, We've got a couple of events for you to tune into. One of them is a fantastic little conference that's going to happen at Notre Dame College in South Euclid, Ohio. And Katie's got the details on this event. That's right, Father Tom. The seminar is called Orthodox and Catholics Together Yet Apart, and it will take place Friday, October 8th through Saturday, October 9th. And here's a little bit about the conference. It's open to all clergy, religious, and laity of the Eastern and Western churches, and it is especially helpful for religious teachers and pastoral ministers to aid their understanding of the Eastern traditions. The world and contemporary currents in Christianity pose some real challenges to the relationship of our ancient churches. The views of contemporary culture on moral and social issues present opportunities for some clear joint clarification on issues of projection of human life and end of life, but also call for joint witness in regards to the concern of climate change and care of this earth. Also, within broader Christianity, there are certain teachings and practices which are not consonant with the apostolic tradition, which ancient church believers unanimously revere. The estrangement between Catholic and Orthodox believers of some thousand years have brought us to some differences in doctrine and practice that have yet to find satisfactory resolution with the present situation and dialogue. The Notre Dame College Center for Pastoral Theology and Ministry, together with its co-sponsors, present this seminar with the hope that knowledge will lead to greater understanding and mutual respect. And if you'd like more information on this wonderful seminar, you can call them at 216 216- Three seven three fifty three eighty nine, or you can visit their website NotreDameCollege.edu. And that's Notre Dame College in Cleveland, Ohio area. It's actually South Euclid. It's uh, Cleveland's my, of course, my hometown. And I used to participate. In fact, I was early on. I was one of the first, I think their first speaker at this seminar, and they've had it every year. And this particular one is going to be very fascinating because we have a very esteemed speaker. His name is Father Ronald Roberson. 
who does a lot of good work for the U.S. Catholic bishops on the Eastern churches, actually. It kind of keeps everyone up on the news of what's happening in the Eastern churches. They're very knowledgeable, very fine speakers. So I highly recommend that's October 8th to the 9th of this year, 2010, at Notre Dame College in South Euclid, Ohio. Really encourage you to be there. But also those of you in the listening area of the Cleveland Akron area, or actually even beyond, would like to keep you tuned to the some doings at the Eparchy of Parma, which of course is my eparchy. And eparchy is what term we use in the Eastern churches most of the time for diocese. My diocese is centered in Parma, Ohio, which is a suburb of Cleveland. And next month, we're going to be unveiling a marvelous marriage initiative of our own in our own eparchy. It's going to be very original with us, but it's in concert with the marriage initiative launched by the Catholic bishops of America. So we're focusing on strengthening marriage and sort of underlying, underscoring its integrity and its beauty and its its goodness. So we'll be watching closely for more information on that. You can go to a website to find out even more, which is parma.org. That's parma.org. But stay tuned, especially in the Cleveland area, for a marvelous marriage initiative that's going to be launched in October, November of this year. I'd like to send some greetings out to some of our very, very faithful listeners, people who have been with us from the start, in fact, even helped us to get our start. One of them is our good friend Charles Cook in Saginaw, Michigan. So Charles, we hope you're doing well. Charles needs a few prayers. He's having just a little bit of health problems, but basically he's doing okay. So once again, Charles, I want to say hello to you and all the listeners in Michigan, our faithful listeners in Michigan. I'd also like to direct your attention to a broadband broadcasting, which I'm involved in. It's called easternchristianmedia.com, easternchristianmedia.com. If you go there, you'll find out all kinds of information on the Eastern churches, because many of you look for that, sort of like that one-stop shopping place. It will link you to other things. You'll see some of my talks on there, some current events. So try to visit easternchristianmedia.com. Speaking of news for the Eastern churches, we'd like to congratulate the Cyril Malankar Catholic Church in the United States. They just took a very important step in their history. They were given now a new bishop, going to be the head of what we call in the Eastern churches an exarchate. An exarchate is something like a diocese, an eparchy, but it's not full-blown eparchy as such or diocese. So they call it an exarchate with the idea that eventually it will become its own independent diocese or eparchy. And what's going to happen for the Cyril Malankar Catholics is that they're going to have a new bishop installed and the exarchate dedicated. That's going to happen on Sunday, October 3rd at 3 p.m. This is going to happen in Uniondale, New York at the Emanuel Marianist Retreat Center. The Emanuel Marianist Retreat Center in Uniondale, New York. Sunday, October 3rd at 3 p.m. What's going to happen is this. And I'm going to read just something from an invitation I got. As you have already come to know, His Holiness Pope Benedict XVI has graciously erected an exarchate in the United States of America for the Cyril Malankara Catholic Major Archiepiscopal Church and appointed Right Reverend Monsignor Dr. Thomas Nikon Parambil as its Bishop and Apostolic Visitor for Canada and Europe. The Episcopal ordination of the new bishop is to be held on the 21st of September 2010 at St. Mary's Cathedral, Trivandrum, on this auspicious occasion of the 80th Reunion Day celebration of the Cyril Malankar Catholic Church. The inauguration of the new exarchate and the installation of the new bishop will be conducted at 3 p.m. on October 3rd, 2010. And that's where we mentioned before where it's going to happen, Emmanuel Marinus Retreat Center in Uniondale, New York. Now, this inauguration of a new exarchate is really a huge step important landmark in the history of this church. And the new bishop also is called the Apostolic Visitator to Canada and Europe. The new exarch is to coordinate over 12 missions in Canada, Germany, the United Kingdom, 
Ireland, Italy, Switzerland, and Austria, and even more. So it's a very, very big job, Katie, very universal position. But that's typical of the Eastern churches. In fact, what's also typical of the Eastern churches is the interesting, varied, and oftentimes complex and divisive history of the Eastern Rite churches. And we're going to call upon our great scholar friend, Father Ron Roberson, who, as I mentioned, will be the guest speaker at the Notre Dame College Conference on the Eastern Churches. And he wrote a fantastic book that I highly recommend to all of you. It's called The Eastern Christian Church as a Brief Survey. What Katie's going to read is a little bit of history uh, written by Father Roberson about this Sarah Malankar church. Now, this is a church, one of the Eastern Rites, that comes from India. In fact, they're very proud of the fact that they were founded by one of the apostles himself, and that is St. Thomas. There is in India the Cyril-Malankar, Cyril-Malabar rites of the Catholic Church. The Cyril-Malankar also have an Orthodox counterpart. But what we're talking about today is the Cyril-Malankar Eastern Catholic Church, originally from India. During the 18th century, there were no less than four formal attempts to reconcile the Catholic and Malankar Orthodox Syrian churches, all of which failed. In 1926, a group of five Malankara Orthodox Syrian bishops, who were opposed to jurisdiction of the Syrian Orthodox Patriarch in India, commissioned one of their own number, Mar Evanios, to open negotiations with Rome with a view to reconciliation. They asked only that their liturgy be preserved and that the bishops be allowed to retain their diocese. After discussion, Rome required only that the bishops make a profession of faith and that their baptism and ordinations be proven valid in each case. In the event, only two of the five bishops accepted the new arrangement with Rome, including Mar Evanios, who had founded the first monastic communities for men and women in the Malankara Orthodox Syrian Church. These two bishops, a priest, a deacon, and a layman, were received into the Catholic Church together on September 20, 1930. Later in the 1930s, two more bishops, from among those who had favored the jurisdiction of the Syrian Patriarch in India, were received into communion with Rome. This triggered a significant movement of faithful to the new Syro-Malankara Catholic Church. By 1950, there were some 65,000 faithful, in 1960, 112,000, and in 1970, 183,000. There are now three dioceses for over 325,000 faithful, all in Kerala State, India. Well, as you can see, it's a colorful history, as is the case with all Eastern churches, both Orthodox, those in communion with Rome or not in communion with Rome, and, but it is colorful, and we're going to talk more about the Cyril Malankar rite when we return. I'm Father Thomas Loya with Katie Goodis here on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion, and to tell the story of the Eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Would you like to hear this Light of the East program again? Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya. Or hear Father Loya's companion program, A Body of Truth. Just visit the radio page at byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. Or hear it again. Hear it again. Hear it again. Hear it again. 
for the first time. And now, words of wisdom, faith, and mystery from the monk's cell. After setting out the conditions for the spiritual life, renunciation of will, the flower, as it were, of the spiritual life, the beginning of the spiritual life, St. John Climacus, in the Ladder of Divine Ascent, goes on in the fourth step of the ladder to the actual enjoyment of that progress the fruit that comes from the flower, obedience. Is it strange to think of obedience as something pleasant? But it is as pleasant, as exhilarating as freedom. For the fathers, obedience is the only sure path to freedom. And not just for the fathers. Think about the fifth chapter of St. Mark's Gospel, the healing of the man with the legion of demons in the country of the Gerasenes, who, as St. Mark says, lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, even with a chain, for he had often been bound with fetters and chains. But the chains he wrenched apart, and the fetters he broke in pieces, and no one had strength to subdue him. No one had strength to subdue him. No one, that is, until Jesus gave him a command. Only when that man, oppressed by his obedience, his submission to demons, gave his obedience and his submission to the light yoke and the easy burden of Christ's call to obedience. Only then could he be found at last, clothed and in his right mind, as Scripture says, and sitting with the Lord of life. Obedience is freedom, true freedom, if it is given to the source of freedom. Obedience is the gateway to life if it is offered to the Lord of life. The truth is we must be obedient to something. What will it be? To the demons, to the body and its passions, to the impulses of temptation, or to the spirit and to the virtues the Spirit inspires in us, and to the Lord of life. I'm Father Maximus Hokkirios. The monks of Holy Resurrection Monastery, Newberry Springs, California, can be found at www.hrmonline.org. Glory to Jesus Christ. Hello, I am Father Thomas Loya. You might recognize me as the host of Light of the East Radio, a program that presents the riches of what Pope John Paul II referred to as the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church. The Holy Father said that the Church must breathe with both lungs, East and West. And in fact, in his apostolic letter, Orient Lumen, the Holy Father said that it was imperative for Catholics to become more familiar with the Eastern Catholic Churches so as to be enriched by them and to help bring about greater unity in the whole Church. For years now, Ave Maria Rito has admirably risen to the call of Pope John Paul II, not only in his broadcast of my program, Light of the East, but in the other guests and hosts from the Eastern Lung of the Church who have been featured on Ave Maria Radio. But Ave Maria Radio needs your support to continue to bring to urgent and enriching messages such as you hear on Light of the East. The Ave Maria Rito Fall Membership Drive runs Monday through Friday from September 20th to the 24th. Please call in your pledge toll-free at one 288 
1077. That's 1877 288 1077. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Welcome back to Light of the East, where we're featuring today the Cyril Malankar Eastern Catholic Church, who are getting a new bishop and a new exarchate for the Cyril Malankar Catholic Church in the United States. And also, this same bishop and his name, again, will be Right Reverend Monsignor Dr. Thomas Nikampanambil. He will be the new bishop for our Cyril Malankar brethren, and also as the apostolic visitator to Canada, Europe, and a whole lot of other countries. Now, sometimes when we throw these terms around, Malankar... Malabar, Syro, Syrian, Byzantine, etc. I know it can be very confusing, but what makes these rites, what makes really a particular church, especially in the East, largely has to do with their liturgical tradition. In other words, how do they pray? How do they worship? Where did this come from? Where did it develop from? The Syro-Melancar rite that we're talking about today is actually what's called a West Syrian rite. You see, the liturgical traditions of the church began, of course, in Jerusalem. Actually, that's where Christianity began. It's where Jesus was. The apostles went from Jerusalem to all corners of the world, including India, St. Thomas being the apostle that went to India. But from Jerusalem, they began to develop certain rites or rituals, in other words, a liturgical life and a calendar. But close to Jerusalem also was the country of Syria. And in Syria, there were two basic sources for liturgy. One is called the West Syrian Rite, or the West Syrian Liturgical Tradition. The other one is the East Syrian Liturgical Tradition. The East Syrian Liturgical Tradition, which was centered in a town called Edessa, it includes the Chaldeans, the Malabars, and the Maronites. And what's interesting about these liturgies is oftentimes if you attend them, you will hear languages from the Syrian tradition, also the language that Jesus spoke himself, the Aramaic tradition. A lot of these East Syrian rites, they preserve that language at their Mass. In fact, I, whenever I speak to one of their priests, I often ask them uh, as a little request of mine to, <laughs> to say the words of consecration that Christ said at the mystical supper. In other words, take, eat, this is my body. To actually say it in Aramaic, it's kind of a thrill to me to think that that's exactly how it would have sounded or pretty close to is the way Christ himself would have said it. So that is the what's called the East Syrian influence. Again, that's the Chaldean Church, the Malabar Church, and the Maronite Rite Church. The West Syrian Church had a stronger Greek influence, and the West Syrian liturgical tradition is what the Cyril Malankar Church came from. This is the church that we're featuring today, as they're getting a new bishop and a new exarchate. Katie's going to read some more from Father Robertson's great book on the Eastern Churches about the Cyril Malankar Church. The Cyril Malankar Catholic Church plays an important role in the educational field in Kerala. In addition to Mar Ivanios College in Trivandrum, the church administers 270 schools and six colleges. It also has 13 hospitals. St. Mary's Malankara Major Seminary was founded at Trivandrum in 1983. The foundation stone was blessed by Pope John Paul II in 1986, and the present building was completed in 1989. Theology courses began in 1992. The seminary currently has about 160 students and 30 teaching staff. This church has also promoted the ecumenical movement in India. The Diocese of Chiruvala owns the St. Ephraim Ecumenical Research Institute, which brings together Catholics and Orthodox of the St. Thomas tradition to study their common liturgical heritage and patrimony. Mar Baselios, the new head of the Syro Malankara Church, has been a member of the dialogue between the Catholic Church and the two Oriental Orthodox jurisdictions in India since 1988. And then, uh, Kay, there's also something very interesting that this church does in India as well, which Father Robeson speaks about. 
An interesting development in this church was founded at the Kurisumala Ashram in 1958. This is a monastic community based on a strict Cistercian interpretation of the Benedictine monastic rule, the observance of the Western Syrian liturgical tradition, and forms of asceticism in use among Hindu ascetics. It has become a spiritual center for Christians and Hindus alike. There are 12 Syro-Malankara Catholic worshiping communities in the United States and Canada, and five in Germany. So a little bit about the Syro-Malankara Church, not exhaustive presentation of it, but we do offer our prayers and our our congratulations to our brothers and sisters in the Cyril Melancar Church, one of the many Eastern rites. This one, of course, coming from India, having been founded by the Apostle Thomas, which they're very, very proud of. To find out any more information, there's actually two centers for the Cyril Melancar Church. One is in India, of course, where it came from, in Kerala. One is in the United States now. The information I received from the Cyril Melancar Church provides two emails. One email is spelled B A S E L I O. S-C-L-E-E-M-I-S at gmail.com. That's B-A-S-E-L-I-O-S-C-L-E-E-M-I-S at gmail.com. That's the one in Trivandrum, Kerala, in India. And in the United States, to get information, you go to this email, which is the email name of their new bishop, N-A-I-C-K-A-M-P-A-R-A-M-B-I-L at gmail.com. Once again, I'll spell that again. It's a long name. N-A-I-C-K-A-M-P-A-R-A-M-B-I-L at gmail.com. So two places to go to learn more about the Cyril Malankar Church. There's one more thing on a personal note I'd like to say in regard to the Cyril Malabar, Cyril Malankar churches, both of them, of course, from India, although we focus on the Cyril Malankar today. I've come to know many people from both these churches, and I guess I've become a pretty good friend to many of them. They often ask me to come and speak, and their hospitality is just so heartwarming. So I do want to send out my personal greetings to both those communities, but in particular, the Cyril Melancar community and, and those of, of you who, of course, are in the Chicago area who have become great friends of mine. So congratulations to you, and our prayers are with you. And as we say in the Eastern churches, may God grant you many happy and blessed years. The month of October starts out with a bang in the Byzantine liturgical calendar, and that is with the Feast of the Holy Protection of the Mother of God. This is the feast day that goes all the way back to the 10th century and is based on basically two stories. And you can kind of choose which one you like. (laughs) Basically, they're similar in in the sense that they were appearances by the Mother of God, by the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Mother of God, the Theotokos, over a church in Blasherney, which is near Istanbul, which, of course, today is modern-day Turkey. At that time, it was Constantinople. And what happened was one of the stories it goes like this, that people were praying at the Blasphene Church in Constantinople one day, and they were praying because, in fact, it was actually during the night, because they had an invasion of enemies or overtaking the city. And this was in the 10th century. And as they were praying, there was a man named St. Andrew the Fool, St. Andrew the Fool for Christ, who looked up and saw with his friend Apophanius, the two of them saw, an image of the Virgin Mary hovering over the church And she was praying with them. And then what she did was she took off her veil, or we call sometimes her mantle, and she spread that mantle over the entire city. And the city was saved from the invading enemy. Well, there's a very similar type of story. The second version of it is that they were praying because of a calamity. I think it was either an earthquake or disease. Regardless of which is the actual fact, what is true is that these people were praying in this church of Blachonet. They saw this image of the Virgin Mary and they were spared from whatever calamity it is that we want to historically 
historically nailed down as the one, whether it was invading armies or whether it was this calamity of disease and earthquake and so on. But the main thing is, is that the Virgin Mary protected these people. And so this feast became very popular in the Greek-speaking Eastern churches. However, it was preserved to this day mostly in the Slavic Eastern churches. And we don't exactly know why, although what happened was when the Muslims finally overran Constantinople in the 15th century, it seems like the Greek Eastern churches no longer really observed this feast day of the protection of the Mother of God for whatever reason. But the Slavic churches did. In fact, it's very big in the Slavic churches, especially the Russian churches or churches like my own, the Ruthenian Byzantine Catholic Church. In fact, we have a number of parishes that are named after this feast day, the Holy Protection of Mother of God, a number of parishes in the areas of the Slavic lands and of Russia. I want to thank you for listening to us. I'm Father Thomas Loya. Hope to hear from you again, along with Katie Goulis on Light of the East. Light of the East urges you to join the Ave Maria Fall Membership Drive. Pledge toll-free at 1-877-288-1077. That's 1-877-288-1077. May God bless you. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the Light of the East. To find out more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue this program with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount would be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East 14610. Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610, Will Cook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K, Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God bless you and grant you many happy years. CRI, Catholic Radio International.com.